while since we've made that It'll joke. never not be funny. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books. For what's happened on Book Talk, what's happened on Bookstagram, and everywhere else you're getting a good book, we're going to talk about it, including the ones you guys show up in our DMs about because we love those as well. I'm Caitlin, joined by my hosts, Bridget and Hilda. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Bridget's popping blueberries in <laughs> left and right. With faces. It's the faces. I'm taking little me. nibbles to like do a taste test and make sure I eat all the sour ones before I get to the sweet ones because I only have four left. That's part of the, the charm and appeal of a blueberry. You don't know if you're getting a sour or a sweet. First they're sour, then they're sweet. Sour they're Patch Kids. Nature Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we are back today to talk about one of our favorite series, one that has lived in infamy and lived a very long life. And we're talking about ZA, Zodiac Academy people, because we're trying to wrap up book eight before we get ahead of book nine's release, which is in April. Next April. Yes. 20, April. 24. 24 April. Well, it wouldn't have been this past April. <laughs> well, we were expecting it to be this past December. April when we made the first ZA8 recording with our reactions. Do you remember so how optimistic we were? Back back, we're like, oh, maybe May. May will have it. Maybe June. Silly us. Why would, why would we think that? But anyway, we want to make sure you guys have all the books, all the recaps ready to go. So when the Twisted Sisters grace us with this book, we are fully up to date. Hop back over, listen to, I don't know, like 12 podcasts in a row to refresh your memory on all the the ZA series we've covered. Uh, But we got to get into book eight, part two, because you know these books are big mamma jammas. You know we have lots of thoughts and feelings to talk about them, of all the things that happen. The crazy antics to... The weird things that happen, like demon vaginas. You know, we got to talk about that. You can't not talk about that. that. (laughs) You can't not talk about it. Uh, So we got a lot to get to. And you know Hilda. Hilda's going to do it right. She's going to walk us through this one and make sure that we have all the information with all the plot points and all the unhinged things the sisters throw our way. So many things. Um, So, yeah, we covered the dramatic reading of the book synopsis. and. Where everybody left off at the end of book seven and what's up with Darcy and Orion in the first episode. So if you're curious about those things, you can check out the episode before this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so then let's start with Pharynx. The well, new... do we want to get into some shout outs beforehand? Oh, yes, we do. We do. Look at me, not even following my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's unhinged. We're not recording on our normal night. It has been a week, I think, for all of us. We've Such just a week. Felt a, a freaking week. And so I think we're a little more unhinged than we normally are. So you're welcome. Also, this book is unhinged and we're getting to the end of it. So you can just assume we're living the chaos. It's we're gonna be fun. It. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be. <laughs> It's gonna be May. To get off topic right off the bat, I saw um, an Instagram post this week, and it's like, if you didn't have to burn a CD, wait for dial-up, or wait till a CD was released until the middle of the night to go get it and listen to it, then we get first dibs on the Instinct tickets. Okay, Please. bye, bye, bye. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. Keep your paws off my Instinct tickets, Gen Wait, Zers. is that really gonna happen? I don't know. I, the money I would pay to go see them. 
you know, I saw someone was like, I always was judging all those people paying all that money for Taylor Swift. And suddenly I'm like, take my credit card and sinks back. Yeah, I like Taylor. I just don't want to pay Taylor prices. But would I ta- pay Taylor prices for NSYNC? I would. I would. And I would get some like glittery ass boots a la Taylor to go. Mm-hmm. It's not too late, JC. JC, you can still get it. <laughs> that was my boy. That was mine too. Of course it was. <laughs> Hilda, who was your NSYNCer? JC. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Like, He's I made loved, it to our musical white shoes. Like, I loved Justin, but... No, not that no, curly mappa ramen. The curly ramen? Yeah. The ramen. No, he was in his ramen true. phase. It just wasn't okay. He was in his ramen phase. I was not in my ramen phase. But then JC did that weird thing where I think he, like, t- dated Tara Reid. And I was like, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. He picked up something from that. Ooh. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, but I was, like, coming it's back okay. and he's kind of gray. And I'm like, ooh. Silver Fox. Hello, Daddy. <laughs> this man can sing? I don't, I don't know. Okay, we're off the rails. I told you unhinge, unhinge. Let's get into our questions of the week. So we put questions up every single week for all the book episodes we've covered over on Spotify. So you guys can go pop over there, engage, answer us, and we'll cover it here live on the podcast. So let's get into them real quick. First one comes to us from Paige B. She answered the question, before this episode, did you know what a Triceratops was? Do you know it by another name? Now, this is a callback to The Wolf and the Witch. Thank you. Wolf and the Witch, where we learned that three men, one lady, is called uh, a Triceratops because there's three horns. And I'm still laughing about it. I'm still laughing about it. And I did the hand signal of a little horn in case you're wondering. This little gesture, I mean, this was, this really sealed it for me. I also loved it by its other name, A Devil's Threesome. I think that one sounds more like, ooh, dangerous. Uh, but the either other way, one is just so funny. <laughs> let's, let's see what Paige said. She said this, – this made me laugh. She said, I thought you meant the type of dinosaur, and I was like, yes, of course. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie. But in this context, absolutely not. I need that term burned from my brain now. <laughs> uh, sorry, but not Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Taylor E. also answered the same question. Uh, Do you know what a Triceratops was? And she said, Triceratops? No. Crying laughing emoji. Apparently gangbang is too classic. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Claudia answered the question, how do you feel about ZA9 coming out in April 2024? She said, I'm so frustrated. I just want it to be over. I wonder if they just didn't know how to wrap it all up in a single book since ZA was 1,200 pages. It was 1,200 pages? Yep. Oh, my god. We talked about that. 1,202. Oh, my God. This is why I consistently this out. pages. So since ZA was 1,200 pages of fluff for very, very little forward plot moment. You're not You're wrong, not wrong. You're not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, Emma – Emma also answered – Emma S. also answered the same question. She said, I'm excited, but I'm a bit disappointed that I have to wait that long. And I say, you're also Us not too. wrong. Yep. Same. Same girl, same. Paige B. also answered that one as well. And she said she's excited for it to finally conclude. As for Age of Vampires, she read it last year and liked it. And the emojis were supposed to hint at to raisins, which are similar to dates. Oh, I think that had to that do was in the, with – Caroline's Clues? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you think wow, that's our brains unhinged. <laughs> Seriously. She's scary. Like, hint to raisins, which is also a hint to dates. Like I would never – I would 
this is like Taylor level of conspiracies to bring yes. back Taylor Swift. But like, you know, they're like, oh, this happened. You know, I can't get into that now. We'll, 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 I'm sure we'll tangent on that later. Can I wait? Now that you brought that up. Okay, here we go. Can I just tell you? I mean, I guess I'm a minor Swifty mm-hmm. because the full on Swifties and all of these connections that they make, especially with like the upcoming album re-releases my god i mean is there not a phd out there yet in like taylor swift studies i feel like there has to be like some like class where you can take classics in literature with taylor swift i feel like there is some like you go into taylor's house and it's a mansion i'm assuming of course obviously and she's got like some secret like coded room where you have to like put your handprint in or like you know, scan your eyeballs and she goes in and she's like, this is my master plan. And she's got all her clues laid out that she's going to put for everyone with like red string going from here to there to connect all the dots so that she can plan it out perfectly. So her Oh, I'm assuming her and SJM might have the same exact fucking room. Oh, I'm sure. Probably. I'm like, this is SJM level of like uh, journalism here that we're getting. They, the Swifties are the Christian Amanpours. Of journalism as they go through and dive into all this. It's investigative journalism, and I respect it to a level that, quite frankly, should be awarded. It, it has really taken should. over my TikTok. Wow. And it's a deep dive that I will gladly go down yeah. any minute of any day. Uh, so shout out to the Swifties. Thank you for being you. Yes. Thank you for connecting these clues that I'm too dumb to figure out all the regular. And then I see you do it, and I'm like, <gasps> oh, this makes sense. perfect sense. I think if does. you're a minor Swiftie, I must be like, I don't know. I feel like I have like my high school diploma in Swifties. Like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not majoring in it. No, Maybe. not at all. Didn't Maybe make a GED. I yeah, do. GED. <laughs> I didn't even finish high school, you guys, if we're going at this rate for Swifties. But I do appreciate watching all the things after the fact. I'm like, yeah, okay. I love it. This is fun. It is fun. This I is why it. I joined TikTok. Well, speaking of unhinged theories, what a good segue. <laughs> so the next question that Vivian J. Fanning an- answered is what is your favorite mass verse theory? Is there one you think we should talk about? And she said she loves the theory that Rhysand's sister may still be alive. And I love that one too. Me too. I really hope that that is good. And may, may I just go on another quick tangent here too? Because I think we can cover this in – we covered it in Unhinged Theories Part 2. And there was one I was gearing up for – I think I sent it to you guys. I'm like, Unhinged Theories Part 3. This is crazy. But then SJM, I guess in a live recently this week, may have contradicted that where we thought maybe Hunt and Bryce are not mates. They're Carmen, Caramen? Caranam. Caranam. I want to call them Cardamans. Cardamans? <laughs> They're each other's spices. They're spicy. <laughs> the spice of their life. They are. And, and so I guess it was recently confirmed that they are, in fact, mates. But our and- mates endgame. And it does debunk some of the theories that we have previously spewed and was like, of course it makes sense. And now I'm a little bummed about that. Yeah. That was my deep thought. Yeah. So you know what's going to happen. It's going to be Unhinged Theories Part 3, like the amended version, (laughs) because now we have to rethink everything we've been thinking. We're going to have to reverse reverse on that. (laughs) (laughs) Hit it with a reverse reverse. Uh, so Tiana A. Mandor27 answered the question, after this book being Akatar, do you think Tamlin reserves a redemption arc? She eloquently puts this as a no, LOL. <laughs> I just really love the finality of that. She's like, LOL. No. LOL. That bitch can suffer. 
that's what I'm getting out of that LOL. You're like, that was cute. Thanks for trying. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me think about it, but no, he can rot in hell. <laughs> also, want to give a quick shout out to – Lord help me on this username. I'm really sorry if I mess this up. It's Schmunzel Monster. <laughs> you know what? That, that was really good. Was it? Okay, good. It's S-C-H-M-U-N-Z-L-M-O-N-S-T-R. Schmunzel Monster. Anyway, dear sweet friend, you left us the most beautiful review. I don't know why it's not showing up on our review page, but we saw it and we got a copy of it. And you said that you listened to our Ruthless Boys episode and you listened to our podcast because you don't know people that share their interest in books and said our podcast was high quality inside and out. And friend, you are high quality inside and out. Thank you. I think this review came from Germany. So if you are Schmunzel Monster, real sorry about me just <laughs> messing that up. But like, hey, friend from Germany. Hello. What? Isn't that what they say in Germany? Hello. Guten Tag. Oh, fuck. We'll take that off. <laughs> Guten Morgen. Guten Tag. <laughs> I'm going to cheers to you with my wine. Prost. Bye. Okay. I'm really sorry for the German puns here. <laughs> really tried to cheers to you. It was painful for all of us. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The way that you just like strung those sounds together. Very I believable from it. my end. I think you got but it. But what do no. I know? No. Well, we see you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for calling out specifically our quality of this podcast. We do our best to make sure it is the best we can provide. And it takes a little bit of effort. So thank you so much for calling that out. It makes us feel good for all those long, logged hours, you know? Of edits. Of edits. The initial investment for microphones and headphones. It's paying off. It's labor of love, definitely. It is a labor of love. Speaking of labor of loves, let's talk about this 1,200-page book we got we to gotta recap through. We just have a mere 600 pages-ish to get through because we already covered part one, like Hilda mentioned. Yeah, I forgot how much was in this book. I forgot and how many pages it was because I think I read it on my Kindle. So like, I don't have an actual visual cue to relate this these big chunkers to. Do they even have page numbers on their books anymore? I thought they didn't do that. They, they actually did start putting in page numbers. It was their first couple editions, I think, didn't. Mm. Um, okay, so let's start off with um, speaking of labors of love. Ugh. <laughs> I already we're, know where you're going with this. We're going to start off with Pharynx, the new shadow baby. So if you guys remember from book seven, Lavinia uh, forces Lionel to have a child to impregnate her. Um, and she nice gives birth to, to the that. child pretty much immediately, which like, hello, alarm bells. It's not a normal thing. I did and like so, how horrified Lionel was during that whole scene. And so... We get a shadow baby. I don't think shadow baby ever has a name. No. And then I remember very vividly Bridget. I don't know if you can like bring that up again. <laughs> what was it? The phrase was, it it was hello, like, daddy. hello daddy. Let's do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I'm trying to think of how I have to I mute myself because I think the scream that I will scrimped when you say this again. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you did like this guttural. It was so great. I feel like if I try it now without thinking about it, I'm going to go more on like the grudge. I don't want to mess people up. Give them nightmares. <laughs> uh, I think that was a one a one take wonder. I don't know if we can get that. I know we're gonna. I have honestly to... like can't even remember how deep I went. I, we could try and just cut it if it sucks. Do okay, it. Try. Do it. Nothing nervous at all. 
Kaysa lang yung kailan. We'll practice off mic. One second. Okay. okay. I'll break my mouth. I cannot. <laughs> Hello, daddy. No. No. He needed some, like, guttural, like, raspy depths of hell, but also comical. I don't know. Bridget's deep voice will always, always crack me up. It always hits at random moments. I don't know why. Yeah. We just got to let that one. Well, maybe we can edit back in. Yeah. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but as I was remembering, explaining this, I was like, oh, yeah, we had that totally traumatizing moment back when we covered book seven. (laughs) Now I'm going to go look for it. Um, so anyways, that shadow baby got killed by Jerry. Very um, easily, also. Yeah. We're like, what? And we were like, that was anticlimactic. Yeah. Happened way too easily. Well, that's how we ended up with Therynx, the new and improved shadow version, baby 2.0. One, he gets a name, which it's already an upgrade. And two, he has all four elements, and he turns into like a shadow dragon. If I recall correctly, Lavinia uh, did not give birth to Therynx right away the same way that she did with the first shadow baby. She kind of like went into labor and might have done some like weird shadow magic. But during the rescue that Tori initiated when she was trying to get Darcy out of the Palace of Souls, our friend Seth witnessed the birth of Therynx coming out of the void of Lavinia's demon vagina and so while terrifying also comical i think if i'm remembering correctly also we said that therynx just like crawled out of that demon vagina like the grunge girl out of the tv that's mm-hmm. why i imagine this happening yes absolutely 100 yep. percent. and this is why seth's retelling because it, just, it doesn't take a lot to spook him like he's pretty he can be dramatic about things but this rattled him to his core when he, I picture him like rocking in a corner. He's like, I've seen things. I've seen things, man. I picture him know. like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, him being Shaggy. And I'm like seeing the monster and they're like, oh, jinx. <laughs> they're just, like, they just like skedaddle. run in place for a little while yeah. before they get going. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Therynx, another villain, maybe a minor villain. Definitely a pain in the ass of a villain. Um. And yeah, I mean, he's around. He survived. He's a baby villain. Minor villain. A shadow baby. Didn't no. come. No. 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 I usually sometimes Lost follow me. your train of thought. I didn't know this talking one. About, are we not talking about the shadow baby? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And you said he's a villain, a minor villain. And I said he's a baby villain. Oh. He's a shadow baby. <laughs> okay. Oh. Dad joke. <laughs> I told you it was, this one was going to be off the rails. Yeah. Um. Okay. So anyways, he's still around. I'm still laughing about it. A shadow baby? A baby <laughs> villain? I was about to say, no alcohol has been drank. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I'm drinking. Um, It's been a while since I've had uh, caffeine water, and that's exactly what I have. Oh, you wild woman. Right. You know, the other day I was looking at seltzer water, and I saw that they had caffeine in it. I was like, oh my god, is this what Hilda's been drinking this entire time? Yes. Feel free to sponsor us. Okay, so then the next people we're going to talk about are our friends, uh, Geraldine and Max. So Jerry is on death's door because she basically got eaten alive by Shadow Beast Darcy. And someone feeds her Acnite, though, as they're like healing all of the rebels 
and she ends up healing. Once she gets better, she directs uh, Xavier's healing by saying that he needs to get basilisk venom. And, you know, we know where they got basilisk venom from. Rydigans. So, a.k.a. Carson, a.k.a. the foursome in the Ruthless Boys foursome. <laughs> who's covered in Disney tattoos. You know, speaking of Disney and Carson, I can never stop picturing that one guy from... Downton Abbey? No. Oh, it's a yeah. Disney from... <laughs> fuck, what is that name of that movie? Um, motor- it's the one of the motocross. Oh. I'm going to Google it. And the Herbie? girl... No, the girl was pretending to be her brother so she can um, drive or race cars or whatever. And there was the really hot guy named Carson... And her name was Andrea, and her brother's name was Andrew. I vaguely so remember was, what you're talking about. I'm going to look this it up. This was a Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Disney movies were like, this was a hit on a Friday night. You've got Brinks. Brinks, right? Brink? Yeah. Brink. Smart House. Xenon. All of these were in the same era. Uh, the Lucky One. The Shamrock. Luck of the Irish. That Ooh, was another one. Love that one. Hilda may have yeah. been slightly older than us for this. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely called motocross. That's what I was going to think. Okay. That's what I think. Carry on. Okay. So she finds out that Angelica obviously uh, has died. So she dyes her hair bright red to avenge her friend, which I think is like such a Jerry thing to do. Editorial note, I really needed Jerry this book, especially at the beginning because the first 20% of Sorrow and Starlight is just so... Sorrow. It's straight sorrow. Sorrowful. sorrowful. Because, you know, you're getting reacquainted with everything that happened in book seven, especially if book seven gave you PTSD and you just kind of like put it all in a box in the back of your brain and didn't want to think about it. And everyone you care about in the series is a, a terrible place. And... It even takes Jerry a while to, like, get her spark back. But once she does, it's like, oh, everything is coming back to normal. Like, we're going to be okay if Jerry can, you know, say the ridiculous things that she says and, like, get her fighting spirit back. So If Jerry's not okay, we're not okay. Exactly. And so I really feel like she helped pull me out of the slump that I was in reading, like, the first 20% of the book. Anyways. She ends up going with Tori to save the heirs from A. Crex Manor. And during all of this, is she finally decides that Max is her um, salacious salmon salamander. <laughs> and she and Max, like, they have these ridiculous, like, again, all of the nautical slash maritime references that Geraldine makes. I wanted to quote this one. Take me to Davy Jones's locker and plunder my treasure chest with your sea cucumber. Now do it with a southern accent. Um, hmm. I can't. No, I think it's better when it's deadpanned. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't do the Southern accent on this one. Well, take um, me to Davy Jones's locker and plunder my treasure chest with, with your sea cucumber. <laughs> yeah. You sound like Sandy from SpongeBob. Yeah. I don't have a cute Southern accent. Um, But yeah, it's just so much of that. And yeah, plunder my treasure chest with your sea cucumber. Like, who says <sighs> that? Jerry I think does. we should all like this is the book talk made me podcast homework. Please tell your significant other if they have a sea cucumber that they should plunder your treasure chest <laughs> and just see pun intended, I guess. See how that goes. Uh, is this going to be mission accepted question of, you know, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? 
Yeah. How often would you plunder my treasure chest with your sea cucumber? And bonus points if you do it in a southern accent. And then and record it and put it on TikTok. bonus points for you if they do end up plundering your treasure your chest. <laughs> you know? Like, did it work? Pretty sure my husband would just blink at me like, did you have too much to drink today? I would love to see Shannon's face when you said that, if you say that. I could just see his like eyebrows going up a little bit and his eyes like widening and like. No, I could just see him staring at me and like blinking several times because <laughs> he's got to process what I just laid upon him. John just looks at me. He goes, he tilts his head and he's like, what the fuck is going on in your head? My new thing is every single time he talks about Taylor. So if I'm like, oh my gosh, isn't it awesome that she's putting Travis on the map and making him so popular and he gets flustered. He's like, babe, he's like the most popular football player. And I'm like, no. Because, like, we didn't know about him. Upset. Love it. Love um, to keep these men folk on their toes. Sea cucumbers and Travis Kelsey alike. Plunder my treasure chest with your sea cucumber. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Unhinged. This is what happens when you get us at the end of a long work week, people. Oh Extra my God, long it's been work such week. a long week. Guys, this Aries moon, full moon, can't deal with it. Yeah, let's blame it on the moon and not the fact that we've all just, like, been through it this week. Oh, God. Okay. Um. So, anyways, Jerry honestly is the person that's in charge while Tori is running around trying to get Darcy and Darius back. And she does a really good job. And quite honestly, I mean, it's a sign of good leadership, I would say, on Tori's behalf to say, I don't know how to do this shit. I'm going to appoint the best person to do the job. And she gives it to Geraldine. I feel like it's always been Geraldine, even from when they were in the Academy. It really has been. Anyways, she's honestly the true queen at this point. She and Tiberius have some really interesting exchanges in the book because she's like, this is the court of the true queens, the true queens. Who are you? Just like random counselor. But at the same time, she's like, well, you're going to be like my father-in-law, essentially. Um, But she always puts them in their place. Of course. And I... Just to talk, touch on Tiberius, I've seen a lot of fan castings where, you know, people in the group will pick the people they think should play him, and it, he is always Idris Elba. I was just and about I to just say that. I just want to say, I fully support that. I was about to say, if I was the fan cast him, it would be him because he's fine. Oof. I love that man. Mm-hmm. He was, he's I, a fine I, sea bass, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> could plunder this treasure chest. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have him than Maxi Boy. For sure. Also, I think it was rumored that he was going to play James Bond, and I really think that could be very fun. That would Uh, be great. Carry on, Um, Tiberius. But yeah, so basically, Jerry is just her usual amazing self. Of course, she's freaking unhinged several times in the book, but would we expect anything? Yeah. Do we expect anything less? No. Okay. So moving on to Xavier, Sophia, and Tyler. Xavier has always been, well, maybe not always, but especially in book seven, he served as the comic relief. That was not his role, this book. This book, he hurt my soul. Yeah. His grieving was- really broken. He was just full depressed. And rightfully so. Like, his brother is dead and his mom is dead. His stepdad is dead and he was almost murdered. His His stepsister was almost murdered. His sister-in-law is mourning his brother and is off on a quest. His ring, and- his wings were ripped off and he can't fly as a pegasus and like replenish his magic and amongst rainbows. That was just after him 
becoming a Pegasus and finally being able to fly and be free. And embracing him true self. And mm-hmm. finding a pack and all this stuff. And it just hurt. It hurt so badly. Yeah. And it, it honestly, his scenes, at first when I was like thinking about this, I was like, was he being out of character? And no, and you've made the really good point, Bridget. He was depressed. And, and I think they did do depression a, looks right. Like. They did a good job writing it the way it was without actually saying, yo, Xavier is depressed. And then just moving on. No, they showed him being depressed and they showed Tyler and Sophia struggling to break him out of that shell, even though he's putting on a face like an act to say, I'm doing fine, even though he's not all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one scene that was like kind of funny, but it, even that scene didn't feel funny. And it was when before he ended up getting healed, which he was because they stole his wings back from Lionel and eventually some rebel healers were able to reattach them. Sophia and Tyler decided to get a harness between them. So then when they would fly, they could like hold Xavier in the middle of them and he could fly with them. But so sad. And this, he he found it to be like too humiliating mm-hmm. to do that. And I believe the scene was happening in Seth's perspective. And so Seth was like, oh man, that's really sad. And Xavier was like trying to get their attention while they were all in their Pegasus forms and he couldn't. So then he transformed, but then he's like dangling buck naked from the harness. And it was like kind of funny. But it just, it wasn't. It did not have the same impact. It was cringy. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah. But eventually he gets out of his slump because obviously. Was Lionel, not Lionel, Leon also there? Because I feel like he was like, hey, pony boy, you're trying to go. Look at this. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah, I think Leon was also there. And it was just like, Leon, stop talking, sweet. Because Leon was out there trying to get like feathers for the nests or like branches for the nests. Mm -hmm. So. They were trying, obviously, you know, to encourage him, but it just, it wasn't working. And luckily, again, by the end of the book, things are more back to normal. But this wasn't, not that it wasn't like the best portrayal, but it's just another thing that made this book sad because he was really hurting. And he was always been like, so like happy-go-lucky, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was sad. Okay. Our next people to discuss is uh, Caleb, aka Caleb and Seth. Blech. Okay, point number one, their miscommunication trope is really annoying as fuck. Yes, 100%. Okay. Oh, it annoyed me so much in this book that so much of it was that miscommunication trope. I just – And I think – Four books at this point we've dealt with it? Right. For me at this point when we're getting towards the end, it's just overdone and it's really annoying because now we're just like, what's holding you back? Why? And it's Seth. It's basically Seth. Is the main well, no, I, it's it's both of them. So I know Caleb okay. had to go through his stuff, but so they've been teeing this up casually since book five, right? Because in book five, Tori's no longer. Oh, hi, Shannon. He says hi. The traveling bartender is back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like that he walks in with the bottle versus a new glass. Just be like, tell me when to stop. It was empty. That was the end of the bottle. Nice. Carry on, Hilda. Where was I? I Seth is annoying as fuck. Just kidding. We're talking about the miscommunication trope. Oh, okay. So in book five, after, you know, everything that went down with Tori and Darius, uh, technically Tori is still Caleb's source, 
but he starts feeling kind of weird about it. Um, and so he ends up making Seth his source. And that's when these two really start like developing these feelings. And so that starts escalating. Then they have that one scene in book six. Um, was it the Christmas party that went bad where they're like getting hot and heavy in like one of the kitchens almost but then Xavier walks in on them and he was like, oh, I was just going to like make a sandwich. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. But they were like really close to like crossing the line. And so then. Didn't they also make out in the Shimmering Springs like a year or two ago before yes. that? So they made out in the Shimmering Springs apparently when they were drunk and hugging up with the same girl. Also. They shared Rosalie. One? They shared Rosalie mm-hmm. in book six. And when they finished, they gazed into each other's eyes versus looking at her. Yeah, and Rosalie was like, yeah, I'm going to go because I know when I'm the third wheel. Yeah. Also, I had to to laugh because you said they came really close to when you paused. I was like, crossing swords? And you said crossing the line. (laughs) I was like, okay, that works too. Um, So, like, it's been building for a while. Book seven, they become blowjob besties. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) But in book seven is, like, when they officially hook up and – you know, the whole like, premise. Seth is like, thank you. Peace out. Like throws the peace signs and runs yeah. out awkwardly. Yeah. And then he goes and cries to Lance Orion. <sighs> it's kind of funny. That's right. So the whole premise is, is that, you know, Seth has always been Polly, Pan, whatever. He's a werewolf. He's always hooked up with everyone because that's the werewolf way. Caleb, I guess, up until this point, except for like that one drunk dalliance with seth has always been strictly in uh heterosexual relationships as far as we know so obviously i would assume that confessing your you know you're confessing your feelings to any friend is difficult confessing your feelings to your same-sex friend when you've always been in heterosexual relationships i'm assuming is going to be even more difficult but like how much more of this are we going to be taking before these two bozos get it together? Like, you're in a fucking war. Like, you're going to die tomorrow, maybe. I got to work through all these other problems about war and people and transportation. And I got to deal with your relationship drama. Like, homie, we don't have time for that. Do it just or don't. Just fucking get over it. Just I think everyone else it. is like, oh, God, just do it already. And they've gotten they've gotten so close to, like, confessing their feelings it's just, it's really annoying. And like, I get it. I get that. What's his face? Seth is terrified of losing the friendship with Caleb. And Caleb is probably like, whoa, this never happened before. But I think we've gotten to the point where Caleb's like, yeah, I'm in love with him. I'm ready to tell him. But he keeps acting like I'm just like a blowjob bestie. Do this with anyone. He doesn't want to put himself out there. So anyways, the whole moral of the story there is like, I'm fucking over it. Just get it together, gentlemen. And then there's a lot of like angry sex between them and angry hookups in this book, especially in the beginning when they're both dealing with finding out about Darius and they get rescued from Acrux Manor by Tori and Jerry. They get rescued with their families. They're told about Darius when they get to like the rebel place and they all are basically like collapsing and dealing with the grief. And Seth and Caleb have like this angry hookup scene where I think Seth was basically like, well, he left us talking about, you know, Darius letting himself die or whatever. And it was just like, I don't, I'm over you too. 
And then we have the kind of funny scene where they eventually do hook up. I forget what was the astrological event. Was it a full moon? It was some kind of moon. Something was happening. But they eventually end up hooking up in Tori's room. And Seth is jealous of Tori in this book because Tori's kind of leaning on Caleb because... They're bonding over their grief. Yeah. They're leaning on each other as former romantic partners and someone they've shared stuff with. And so and they've Caleb's, always had that connection. Right, they have. And so Seth is becoming increasingly jealous and moody about it. And paranoid. And paranoid. I just feel like so Seth paranoid. is so immature. And it's like, I understand Caleb has his hangups, rightfully so. And then when he sees Seth acting the way that he does, this is where that big miscommunication comes from. Because now they're both withholding secrets of the, how they feel. But it's so fucking annoying. It is annoying. It's, it's gotten dragged out for too long. And you know, I don't really care for Seth and I like Caleb a lot better than I like Seth. So I'm just like, Caleb, you can do better. Right. And I will say this scene was funny. This is one of the better scenes I feel like to read in Beyond the Veil, the novella, the bridging novella, the bridging, bridging. book. That was not a novella, a bridging book where you have ghost Darius witnessing this scene. And he's like, hey man, why are you wrestling with him? And then he's like, wait, wait, why is you pulling that out? <laughs> I, I think someone else put it on, on TikTok, so I can't take credit for this, but it's like that scene from Friends when Phoebe's like, my eyes, my eyes, after she witnesses like Monica and Chandler going at it. And I just have to LOL <laughs> that. So where did they leave off? They got caught by their moms. So awkward. Which I thought was even funnier. That I will say that was a funny scene. And then the moms were just basically like, this is fine, but you know – you still have to get married and have kids and have ears and like so you guys can do this like now. Fucking get it out of the way. But also, the wasn't there like a throwaway line? Was it there or somewhere else? And like the moms times- were like, yeah, they were like, how many oh, times yeah. have we tied up with Hale Vega? And I was like, what? Yeah, yes. I need to know more of that, please. I just want the short scene, not I another how- novella. Just give me that part. I love how experimental all these Fey are. Yeah, good for you guys. Okay. But so, tell me more. Tell me more. With all the juicy details. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you sure those were just blueberries? Yep. <laughs> I told you. You're most unhinged selves today. Okay. So next on the list, uh, Gabriel's family. So we know that they're there with the rebels and um, Leon in his infinite wisdom decides. That. My boy. I just love this so much. He decides that um, they're going to build a nest for Gabriel because with Gabriel being a harpy, if he builds them, if they end up building the most fabulous nest, Gabriel will be so distracted and constantly focused on that nest that he won't be able to tell where the rebels are, thereby not being able to tell Lionel where they are. And the plan miraculously works. And it's just, it's not a huge scene. And there's only like a couple of times that like Leon shows up. Uh, but I just thought this was just like genius. And this is, this is the shit that the Twisted Sisters write yes. that mm-hmm. like makes me enjoy their stuff so much. Their Easter eggs are good. It's I like, it's love- insane. Mm-hmm. But it's so within the character that it's perfect. And I love how they sprinkled it throughout. How you have... I can't remember if this is it, so I'm gonna, maybe this is a poor example. But when you have um, Xavier trying to fly in his harness and Gabriel uh, and Leon, sorry, is just like, don't mind me. 
picking up some sticks in the background. Jerry and Tiberius are having it out. And he's just like, oh, this is a good one. Like carries on in the background. And I just love that he is sprinkled throughout unceremoniously in these big events in the background. And I just love them for that. That's he's the like chaos where's Waldo? He's like, yeah. where's Waldo? God, you know I love me some Leon and his crazy, crazy, but it's like I can picture happening. I was trying to remember when him and Seth had their bonding moment. It must have been in the last book. They Chip bonded in books. Yeah. In the sewers. Yes. The yes. sewers. Like Chip Chop Pube continues to be my greatest source of enjoyment. It really is. And so the first time, though, that we actually meet Leon and Dante in this book, they're searching the battlefield for Gabe. Um, they're convinced that Gabe has perished in the battle. And so you like pull out a penis or something? It's like sad, but it's also funny. <laughs> and they come across. So there's one scene where he like picks up a skull and he thinks it's Gabe and he like starts anguishing over it. Um, and then he realizes it's like one of the stupid dragons, one of stupid Lionel's dragons. So he's like, ah, no. And he like throws it away. And then in this other part, they start hearing this weird sound coming through. And they're like, oh, my God. And he finds a straw, like a metal straw that's blowing all this air. And we come to find out it's been it's washer's oh ass. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Blowing air. And I don't the know. rationale for that was he was like, well, I was stuck here and I couldn't move, but I got the straw in my ass. So I figured I would use that to scream. In my head, help. it was his penis, like, just poking out of the rubble when he was just, like, wiggling it to get his attention. But also, why do you have a straw in your ass? There was a very unbelievable explanation, but also it's washer, so... Anything goes with that dude. Gosh, I do. I love Brian Washer. I love him. Yeah, Must he's protect him at all costs. If he's, he's our a bad guy, uncle. Oh, I'll be so mad. Um, but yeah, so that's our that's the important stuff we need to know I about think, Gabriel. Like, and Leon puts his mouth on it or something. Like he, yes, there's something. <laughs> there's or it just it blows in his face. Yes, that's what it is. It's like I was breathing your your ass air. <laughs> he's very <laughs> upset about it. It's very funny to read. Um, so. Where am I? Okay. The Celestial Counselors. So those fuckers get rescued by <laughs> Tori and Jerry. They and their families get back, you know, to the rebel base. And they're trying to be like smarmy politicians. Yeah. And it's annoying. It it is annoying because by this point, I think their children haven't ag- officially acknowledged it. But they're basically like, yeah, we're 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 Team Vega. Like we don't give a shit about ruling right now. We just need to win this war. We're going to do what we need to do, support the Vegas. But the counselors are basically like, well, you're not the queen to Tori. And it's like, really, fuckers? Like, the, shut the fuck up. Are you up. new to this and planet? They came to the rebel camp that support her as queen. And yet they're all trying to run it like... They're like, yeah, they're trying to do like their political machinations. And then this is why I love Geraldine because she's basically like constantly like shutting them down and like putting them in their place. Um, she really is the the friend that I've, everybody needs. Yeah. She's a hype girl, the ultimate hype girl. Uh, she she's really a ride is. or die. She's got your back. Um, Did I have Geraldine you- on my ultimate friend list? I'm thinking. I think so. I okay, think so. Good. So then ultimately, though, you know, after. Tori brings Darius back. I think at that point, it's just really, it's undeniable that 
the Vegas are the queens. And so the counselors do end up bowing. But it took way too long to get there. Okay. So kind of save the best for last, which is the story of Tori and Darius. I just would like to call out that um, your Darcy and Orion section from the last recording Mm -hmm. was 14 points Mm -hmm. that you wanted to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yet somehow the best that was saved for last, Tori and Darius, is merely nine points. (laughs) Okay. I mean, (laughs) I've never said I'm not biased. (laughs) I just just like everybody else to know because they don't see our notes so i'm just letting you guys know i mean and your point is (laughs) there was no point it was just a observation observation i was sharing with the class okay make what you will with it so tori and darius obviously darius is dead so right at the beginning tori's in shock and you know she has that whole thing where she curses the stars and Rightfully so, she is very angry at the beginning of this book. And she's, I don't know, like, I feel like Tori's going to need some therapy when all of this is said and done. You think? She needed therapy before this. But, like, but I also, I worry about her because I don't feel like she's the type who will acknowledge that she needs therapy. No, exactly. I think between what's happening with her, with Darius, with losing her one true love, plus feeling like she's losing Darcy to Orion, she's going down a slippery slope and she was willing to do whatever she had to get him back and left Jerry to run her operations. She's starting to behave recklessly, but I mean, I'm not mad about it. Starting? Yeah. You know, however, I'm concerned she's going to end up like the Mad King, even though I know he was heavily influenced by- The Savage King? The Savage King, not the Mad King. The Savage King. But he was still a savage before everyone was influencing him. It's interesting because like this far in the series, I would say that you've seen a lot of growth from Darcy, like kind of like coming into her own, finding her- power getting you know over her trauma tori has had some growth in terms of like you know she's she's studied she's all this discovering of like all of these different magics like she did that you know and for someone who supposedly like never applied themselves that's really interesting but while i feel like darcy's growth has taken her in a positive direction i feel like tori's growth has gone in a negative one like She's scary, but not always in a good way. So I can see that. I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see how like this wraps up. Yes, because she she's 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 angry, rightfully so. But like, rightfully she needs to so. work through that shit. For Tori, it's more like her growth was finally allowing other people to love her and loving them in return. And when you love people to that extent and you have the power and the rage that you do and you feel like you're wrong, you're willing to sacrifice the world for them. She gives us like that villain vibes where it's like you always want to date the villain because he will sacrifice the world for you. The good guy will always, you know, sacrifice you for the world. Mm -hmm. She's giving those type of vibes. Which I get. and as we know her heritage, um, she's had some ancestors who were not the best leaders and who were cruel, not just her dad. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's just slippery slope. I think Darcy's the one her, is to balance her. Absolutely. Um, but it's just, I don't know, definitely scared of Tori at this point. So whatever. Shock. People are getting healed. She decides to go with Geraldine to rescue the heir and their families from Acrux Manor. And she has some crazy, like, shows of Phoenix power in that scene. And she's, like, obliterating nymphs with her Phoenix power. She sets fire to, like, Acrux Manor after she steals all of Lionel's gold. So she's, like, on the warpath, on a rampage. Nobody feels bad about it because it's fucking Lionel. Yeah. Anyways, she brings them back and in conversation with like Caleb and everyone, she and Caleb decide that they're going to go to the library of the lost to find out, find spells on how to find a lost loved one. So really her initial mission is to reunite with Darcy um, and get her twin back. Um, I have a note here. Who knew librarians were such snobs? Like fuck Arnold the Minotaur and that other <sighs> dude. Arnold. They were such douches. What a good name for that douchebag. Like, have you met like a down to earth Arnold? No. I've ever met an Arnold that you No, like. I've only met a stupid football head Arnold. <laughs> like an this Arnold would not let you cheat off your test. You know what I mean? Like he's like, mm, you should have studied. I studied. Like I don't think I've actually met Arnold. You know, I don't have know you? if I have either, and I apologize to all the Arnolds in the world. I just feel like all y'all are douchebags. I just the know Arnold, hey Arnold I regularly engage with is um, the Arnold Palmer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No complaints about that. No complaints about that None. Arnold. Yeah, but he just like left them. Yeah, no, he's he's an asshole minotaur. So, anyways, they're searching for books, and they kind of end up in like this hidden crevice, and they find these five ancient books. Um, about each of the five types of magic five types of magic what are you talking about um yes so in addition to air fire water and earth there's Mm -hmm. a fifth one oh shadows you say no not shadows we are now introduced to ether and ether is apparently the source of all magic you can't see the faces that i'm making we're going like but these oh see i've watched enough tv and write enough books to know it always comes back to ether if you get far enough in a series it's true at some point you will get to ether okay okay i'm not so yes when it comes to like magic things yes you always get back to ether they could have mentioned ether sooner it's forbidden instead of you know waiting until the eighth book again why not Uh, why not series why not now? Why not earlier? Those are the questions we ask in these white out books. So, anyways, ether, ether is the magic or the base of the magic. And so they have this weird confrontation with like demon fuck ass scary centipedes. Oh, I forgot about them. Oof. That like try to like that. eat them. Um, but Caleb and Tori take the books with them. And so we come to find out that before the awakening process which is how the fae now have access to the elements it was possible to harness any of the elements if you just knew how which is dangerous which is super dangerous and we also learned that the shadows are not of this world and they should not be in this world not shocked 
we already kind of knew, but just, I guess, further clarification. So Tori, and I keep wanting to call her Darcy. I don't know why. Probably because books. Keeps reading these books and she finds all types of information about them. Um, She does a weird spell to find out where the hell Darcy is and she finds out that she's in the Palace of Souls. She attempts to do a rescue mission, which does not work out because Darcy's like, hey, remember, I'm a shadow beast. Can't go with you. They don't have that conversation, though, which leads to us being really annoyed Um, at the end of the book when Tori's like, what the fuck, Darcy? How'd you dare pick that man over me? Again, stupid conflict between the sisters. At some point, there's like a nymph attack on the rebels and we end up meeting, was it Miguel? Yes, Diego's dad. Diego's dad. And he gets taken prisoner. Um, but eventually Tori goes and talks to him. No, his uncle. No, it's his dad. His, she dad. Killed- his uncle was Alejandro. Oh, yeah, okay. and she killed him in, at the end of book seven. So she goes and she speaks to Miguel and he tells her, he's like, look, there are nymphs here in this world that don't want anything to do with Lavinia and her shadow magic. They've tried to live peacefully with the fae. And the only way that they've gotten magic from the Fae is that it's been gifted to them by the Fae and not in any weird way. And he basically sends her on a mission to go find these nymphs. And so she goes. And in the process, she visits the weird-ass oracles who see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Through, like, self-inflicted wounds yeah uh the twisted sisters told us there was gonna be weird sex and this was so again just to remind everybody about what happens uh tori's like asks them how do you bring people back and they're like well there's kind of a way but not really but we can tell you but we want to relive your sexy great hits sexiest greatest hits um with your dead husband and so we get they're all virgins to keep yes. the magic alive, they have to be virgins. Not explaining weird. this really well because it's just weird. It, and you mean you are. It's just weird. It was weird. It was weird. So anyways, um, after that interlude that leaves her kind of like weirded out, which I mean, you get put in a spell. You're a widow who gets put into a trance where you have to relive all of your hottest sex history moments with your dead husband to get some weird, some creepy three oracles off. It's like ghost where they're making the pottery where like she but even, kind of feel just, him there, but he's not really there. It was very weird. I think in the beyond the veil portion, wasn't he also like reliving it with her? Yes. Yeah. That's fucking sad. But like also he was there, but like they, they weren't, eh. It was very... It's just... Yeah. Honestly, it's like their the way- self-conscious was in the brains of their bodies that were doing this previously is the best way, I think, to maybe conceptualize this. Yeah. The way that it was described in Beyond the Veil was a lot less weird than in Sorrow and Starlight. Like three weirdo sisters trying to watch in on this? Yeah. Like, I feel like that was weird. They're like, we're going to be over here. You do your thing, girl. We're just going to watch by yourself because... They yeah. can't actually see Darius in any of this. So 
yeah. weird. It's just weird. Anyways, um, so after this interlude, Tori gets more information and she basically has to go on a weird journey. Yes, and I probably am using the word weird a lot, but there's no other way to describe this. It was all just weird. She has to like battle her inner demons and her inner child at one point. And like enter an ether forest. It's right. a classic quest type situation. Yes. One where yes. it tests your pers- your like true self-worth to be able to get to your end goal, which would be to go beyond the veil to for her to be able to see Darius, not steal him from beyond the veil, which is what she does. So she goes on this weird journey where she sees her dad be like the guardian of like the river sticks. She also finds herself as a little girl crying in like this dead wood forest. It's very psychological. It's and very it, like, intense. It, it chases her, I think. Like her former her child self chases her former self and she makes it across the the water with her dead dad and then she's got to climb a bridge like literally crawling over a bridge to get to Darius. So, she makes it to beyond the veil where Darius is waiting for her. So sad. I did. And I was so excited. When it was I very saw exciting. That man's name pop up with his title for that POV of that chapter. It was. It was. It was great. Like we cannot. The scream I screamed and the tears that I immediately started bawling when I saw his name POV pop up. I did love that. I love him. It was so. It was like. It was so great. But um, I was also so worried because I'm like, is this just like a glimmer we're getting at him? Because like, don't bring my heart into this if he's not coming fully back. So I was kind of concerned that she was probably going to die. She's not going to die. Twisted sisters, you never know. You never yeah. know. It's a it's a why not and a why the hell could you pre- predict where this is going? Wasn't there a prophecy? Only one can rule. Yeah. So why not? So she gets beyond the veil. And they share this romantic dance. So and cute. Wasn't it because they didn't get to have their first dance for their wedding night? Because that was the yes, night he saw it. And like their memories put her back into her wedding dress. Yeah, it was just, it was a really good scene. But like Darius is fully prepared to be like, okay, this is our goodbye. Because this is you're, goodbye you're never got to, to go. get her. Because I was yeah. killed in battle. She was a nearby. And she's like basically like, motherfucker, I didn't come this far to like say goodbye you're like coming with me basically yeah he's like okay this is nice thanks bye she's like do you know what i had to do to get here i also want to say all her family and friends who have passed and went beyond the veil are holding a barrier around them to fight off other things that are trying to like get through through my heart so so She's like, you're coming with me. Yeah. Right. She's like, you're coming with me. And he's kind of like, uh, what? She's like, yeah. So I can't quite remember the mechanism of how this happened. But she she pulls them. The stars are like trying to fight her. And of course, they're super pissed at her now. But like, they were pissed at her before. So it's like one more thing. And um, she brings him back. Didn't they like re-say their wedding vows or something? Or am I just I think imagining it was some that? kind of spell she chanted and he's like, What are you doing? And she's like, just repeat after me, don't question it. And then he's like, Okay, what's the worst that could happen? I'm already dead. And then Right. So they share a heartbeat now. Right. How romantic. I think the way the spell worked is that in order you can't make his heart start beating again, but you can share the heartbeat of another. 
So that's why their heart beats together because they're essentially sharing her heart. I kind of wish she had just I I wish Do this not say you wish she had stayed dead. No. Oh no. god. I I wish there had been a different mechanism to bring him back. Like a loophole in the matrix. Yeah. And again, and it goes back to I wish they had tied in the deal that he had made with the stars because right. he made he ultimately fulfilled his deal because he did the way that I read the, his deal with the stars. I read it as you have one year to like get your shit together and acknowledge that the sisters are the true queens and get over your fucking arrogant bullshit self. And he did that by the end when he was fighting his father. So I kind of like that it was Tori who brought him back in a way. But at the same time, I wish that they had kind of still kept in the part of the story that really consumed us for like a whole book, which was book seven, where like, is Darius going to die because he made the stupid deal? Whatever. Yep. They come back. Obviously, they have lots of hot sex when he comes back. And then somehow they end up going to Zodiac to fight because there's going to be a battle and everybody sees Darius and they're like, oh, my God. And then, of course, everybody bows before the true queen. But they're also like so in the throes of this epic battle that they're like, I can't get into why Darius is back, but super excited to see you, man. And then they just keep going on like battling away. Yeah. And it's great. But like the stars are pissed at Tori and she's going to have to pay some type of price. We don't know what that is yet. Honestly, when are the stars not pissed at them? They were, they basically just breathe air and the stars are pissed at them. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's supposed to be consequences. We think it's possible that they're not going to be able to have children, which is fine because maybe somebody as angry as Tori shouldn't be propagating. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's like the worst move, but yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here like, oh, I would love to see little Darius and Tori babies. She would be a, a boy dad for sure. Yeah. 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 She should not have girls. Um, okay. So we're almost at the end. Let's just give a quick recap about the Clydenius story. Fuck that guy. So you think we're getting to the end. Darius is back. Everyone's happy. Well, not happy, but like alive. And we are fighting the good fight against Lionel and his tyranny and all the nymphs. And the queens are crowned. We learn the Beyond the Veil by their dead parents. It's looking great. And of course, no. why not fashion? Let's throw in another fucking plot point. Now, this is something that really upset a lot of people from what we saw in the reviews. So take it away. So while Darcy and Orion are in the Palace of Souls when they're a prisoner and they have that one scene where they get pulled into that secret room that apparently has like all the treasure um, and before they get into the stupid praying mantis jewelry box Darcy runs into like a memoriam crystal a memoriam, whatever a memory crystal that she uses and we get the story of Queen was it Avelia? So Queen Avelia was the first Phoenix Queen and she was fighting a war trying to like unite the kingdom slash i think fight the nymphs because apparently the nymphs have always been a problem and she was just getting to the point where i think she won a decisive battle and she was uniting the kingdom and so she had her lover 
I forget what his name was, uh, but she's pregnant for the first child. So one night she can't sleep and she sees a star falling to the earth and she goes and she comes across this fallen star. And so the fallen star is like basically like gives her a wish, a promise. I don't know, does something. And he's like, um, you're going to fulfill some type of promise, but are you going to sacrifice the life of your child or the life of your lover? And so she has this conflict, but ultimately she decides to get rid of her lover um, and keep her child. So she she has her husband ends up dying already off the bat. If anybody comes up to you and is like, hey, I'm going to give you some wish to fulfill your deepest desire. Yes, I know. But sacrifice your firstborn, sacrifice your husband. Bye bye, John. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I was like, isn't that more of a, more of a like, let's not let's not get into this bargain type of thing. You would think, but people are just stupid. Me, just me, okay. If it's too so good anyways, to be true, yeah, you know, one of those. And so it's a, the it's star the ends old up school her. fishing account. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna dangle this really good opportunity in front of you. A Nigerian prince, Nigerian prince wants to leave you his fortune. Just murder right. your husband. Everything will be hunky dory. You'll get that fifty million dollars, and then you can get a new husband. Yeah, from jail. There are a lot of prisoners that need uh, need love too. Yes, and visits. And visits. Um, we're not advocating that for that though. But hey, like, if you want to do a, that? A dark, more penitentiary plug, <laughs> right? Um. So whatever. The star ends up gifting her what we come to figure out is the Imperial Star. So then we get another weird cut scene with fucking Avalon. And so Avalon is trying to get her cousin Romina to marry, um, I think it was Vicente. And Romina's like, "Uh uh-uh, not interested. I'm in love with this other dude whose name I cannot remember. But he was a Hydra. And so... I don't know. Your notes say it's Santiago. Yes. That's yeah, I was like, who Santiago. is Santiago? When I saw these notes, I was waiting for them to get to there to trigger my memory. Oh, God. You know, I'm not even looking at my notes anymore. I'm just going off of my head. So this is going to be more memory. than... memory. This is going to be more than 14 bullet points, Bridget. Um, so anyways... Oh, no, no. Get- you already left the Darius section. So well, whatever. You can't even count this. So anyways... Romina wants to marry Santiago. Avalon's being a was an orderist bullshitter, and she wants her to marry uh, Vicente, who's a phoenix. But whatever. But Vicente has also apparently been banging Avalon, and Romina's not about that life. Anyways, come to find out, there's a terrible curse on the phoenixes, and any phoenix that transforms into a phoenix. Um, basically has their skin melted off of their bodies um and so there's like chaos in the kingdom at the palace what was it the, the palace of flames and avalon ends up dying and romina is able to escape with santiago and i guess ultimately she marries him has kids with him and that's how like the phoenixes have birthed hydras Continue. and how we ultimately end up with hail so Darcy and Orion find all this out from the crystal, but they still don't know what the broken promise is. We still don't know what the fucking broken promise is. Until Clydinius fucking kidnaps the twins in that weird show of power 
And he was like, um, you guys were supposed to give me back the star and I was supposed to become a fae. And because you haven't kept that promise, um, your entire like lineage has been cursed. And the twins are like, what? And then he locks them up in the cave and he disappears. Um, and pretends to be them. He's and like, pretends to be transforms. them. <sighs> this part. So I guess the moral of the story here is, is the Clydenius plot that bad? I mean, they kind of laid the groundwork for it, but I feel like they overcomplicated it. Agreed. Because the broken promise could have literally been um, Avalon telling Lavinia, you're, you know, we're not going to kill the nymphs. And then they do. That's what I think we all thought it was. Like. Because I think one of the nymphs at some point said, like, keep the promise or something. Yeah. Maybe it was a star whispering to them. No, it was it was in the prom it was in the prophecy from Gabriel. It was overcomplicated and came too late. Like I don't mind you setting this up. It just it was just don't seven, throw it in at the last late. two percent of the book. At least this like is, pepper it in earlier, like eighty percent maybe. No, I think this goes back to what I said last week or last episode, where like I don't think that they like people guessing what they're gonna do. So they're like, Well, I, I kind of vaguely laid the groundwork for this so let me like overcomplicate it just Probably. to add a new twist and so frustrating it's just I, I mean i think the concerns we have are given all the plot points that are out in this world at this point how are we going to wrap it up cleanly and concisely with a happily ever after i don't know can i just say if say. they weren't announcing that the next book was going to be the last book i would probably be less annoyed but, like, book seven was supposed to be the last book. Again, that's why I decided to read this fucking series. Because yep. because I was like, oh, my God, there's six books. And then the seventh is coming out in December 2021. This is awesome. But, no, it became, well, no, you're going to get the last book December 2022. Just kidding. You're getting the last book April 2024. We're bamboozled. If they it's kept, a wild ride. if they didn't keep saying we're going to end the series, just kidding. I think it's I would annoying. care less. I think I, I felt like I've been less. saying that all all episode. It's annoying because it is. It's you know, I was going back as we were rereading, and I went over to Amazon, was just rereading the comments because I think with the first time we looked at this, we were going back. Like, what did everyone else feel about this? And I was going back again, and even though, yes, there's good four star ratings on this book, and we still love it. It's just the same things we mentioned here are mentioned what everyone else says the miscommunication trope someone's like dear god i am begging you <laughs> please let them have an open honest communication um it was long someone had mentioned in the comments it was 19 different povs and i was like holy moses i did not realize it was that many that's a lot i forgot wow. we got milton justin uh mildred i forgot about them God, but that's Tesca. Oh, but I did like Francesca. Yeah. I mean, but still, like, it's just like stop saying you're gonna end the series and then not end it. This is like when a boyfriend breaks up with you and they're like, just kidding, I'm gonna keep keep going. I love you still. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. And they're like, just kidding, we're breaking up. I'm like, well. Then he strings you along for another three years. Yeah. yeah. Feels like that. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Like, do will I go back to this boyfriend? Yes, I will. Because I need the closure. So what you're saying is that there are to toxic acts. Got it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think so. I, I mean, you eventually – I love you them. You eventually mature and grow out of it, but right now we're in the thick of it. Right. 
yeah, we're in the thick of it and uh, I'll be back. But will I be heard about it? Probably. Yeah. Still heard uh, about it. Still heard about book four, but and book five. I remember and standing six, in the shower and seven, still a four, ma- just still a masochist. Contemplating my life choices, being like, why did I read this book in the shower? <laughs> like just the rainwater. I know. I have full shower blown, water like, pouring over me to be like, I need to. Cried in the shower over Darius and oh, Tori's God, the divine moment yes. several times. The book Hangover that book seven gave me. I did not enjoy reading for at least a good three months. I like that you said just seven because I'm like book four, book five, book six. All of those hangovers were so terrible. Yeah, I think by the time we got around to actually reading book eight, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was struggling to even start reading because I did not want to go through the pain of losing Darius again, which I did for like 40% of that book. Oh, man. So there you have it, folks. There you have it. Your formal recap. What we loved, what we hated, what we're angsty about, and what we'll go back for with book eight of Zodiac Academy. So now you will be well prepared for when this shadow baby comes to birth in April 2024. 2024. Yes. I do hope, and I was also going back through our notes of like, as you were talking, Hilda, I'm like, let me go back to our seven, our Z8 predictions. Like, what are the things that we said would come true? And some of them were just very funny and very off base. And just like they were just making me laugh. And so I invite you to go check out that episode as well for our our predictions. We did predict Darius would come back, and he did. Um, we tried to predict the return of Chip Chop Pube. It didn't happen. I want to see it happen again. Like yeah, in a happily ever after, maybe there's like a wild barbecue scene. Everyone's together and Le- and Le- uh, <laughs> Leon is like, let's play chip chop pube, and him and Seth like go off and do this crazy thing, and everyone's like, oh, Seth and Leon, like you know, that's what we wanted to come back for. That was really funny. <laughs> so. Uh, I would invite you to go check out our Unhinged Theories on Book 8 and Predictions because I think it's kind of fun having now seen what happened, how much of it was right and how much of it was wrong and how much we can still hold out for with fingers crossed for Book 9. So if you guys have thoughts and feelings, you can head on over and DM us at booktalkmaybe underscore pod. We love hearing from you guys. I can't underscore this enough. Like it makes our day when we see you guys interacting with us. You Again, you never know who you're going to get. Sometimes it's Bridget, sometimes it's Caitlin. Most of the time it's Hilda because she's like the quickest, quick drama girl with an answer. And we just really love hearing from Especially you guys. Especially at like three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Your response rate at three in the morning is superior. Uh, so that's when you know to find her. Um, but the best way to support the podcast is by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving us a rating and review because that's how we find more more of our people, more of our our podcast book club, like so many of you guys feel. We are your unhinged um, book club with the wine <laughs> because that's us every time we podcast. So uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and or Spotify to leave us a review. We appreciate your support from the bottom of our hearts. And what are we reading next time? Let's get a quick segue into what we're going next. Uh, do you want to tell them, Caitlin? Sure. So we are reading <laughs> The Four Horsemen. Is that its formal title? The Four Horsemen book? Or is that just like Books. our short? Um, is it the four? You know, okay. So I'm, I'm not the best person to ask because – as we started to say, as everyone started reading the book, where are we at? I realized I had the wrong book. 
and was reading a different Four Horsemen book. And I was like, this one kind of is not the greatest. And I was very relieved to find out after they were showing covers, like, this is what's on my cover. And this guy's on my cover. And I'm like, you guys have that on your cover? And I had like a briefcase. It was not the right one. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're starting uh, the Four Horsemen series by Laura uh, Thalassa. Thalassa. Um, and we're starting with uh, Pestilence. What a name to kick off with. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say off the bat that he is not on the white shoes. No. There's something about uh, disease. I think it's just the name. I think it's the name. I, like, I could get into it. I'm not going to. But I think it's the name that's really throwing like me off. Like, you like, can't even get a good nickname out of that. Pesty? Like, Pesty? Like, like Posty? Like, Post Malone? I don't know. Yeah, no, I just, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, anyway, we're reading this journey. I think one of someone in the fandom recommended this to us. So that's why we threw it on the list. We're getting to it. And if you guys are curious, you can read along with us. It's a four part completed series, I believe. So it's the four horsemen. It's mm-hmm. pestilence, war, famine, and death. Yep. So sexy. <laughs> I don't – I feel like famine is not the right word choice. Maybe no, I, I think it is famine. Is it? I think it okay. is. I think it is too. Uh, um, you can read along with us. I think they're all available for free if you subscribe to Kindle Unlimited. little pro tip. Um, and what's super exciting though is we are going to break that up so that we can read and cover um, Fourth wave. the latest – Actually, no, it's the latest from Carrie Maniscalco. Yeah, but I think there's a fourth um, fourth wing interlude as well. No, it's nope, uh, just kidding. No, it's Stone of the Fallen. You can tell which book Caitlin's super excited about. <laughs> fourth wing. Because <laughs> did my hands Iron do little flame. wings? Yeah. Yes, every time I said it. Iron Flame. Yes, that's what I'm like. I knew there was something breaking us up, but I'm also very excited for the Carrie Manalesco book because we really enjoyed that one. Speaking of books we really enjoyed, just wanted to say a quick shout out to everyone who jumped on the bandwagon to read uh, the, Witch, the Witch, Collector. Witch Collector series, the Witch Walker series, I believe. Witch Walker, yeah. I always mess it up. Um, I love, love the reactions we get to you guys in our DMs because we said it before, we're not trying to yuck anyone's yum. It was a yum to us. I enjoy hearing your yucks when you're like, oh, I don't know, this wasn't for me. I didn't care for this character. I love it. This is the best part about having a, a podcast where we can enjoy and hear each other's discussions and our book clubs. It doesn't make me love you less, my sweet babies, when you DM us and you're like, you guys really love this and I kind of hated it. I love you more for it. So please let us yeah. know. It gives us what more to talk. talk about with you guys. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, you hated it. Tell me more, girlfriend. Like, I got to know. What did you not like? And sometimes I will flip on a dime and you're like, oh, I didn't like X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you know what? You make a strong point. I see this now. Yeah. But I love it. All of – all of our conversations are in a safe space. You can tell us whatever. Nothing will shock us or um, make us love you less. Yeah. You can be like, you're dead ass wrong. And I'd be like, you're dead ass right. Yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're Most dead likely. ass right. <laughs> you know, this is the safe space. And that's why we created this podcast where we can have these discussions. And so you can, ha- again, find us on Instagram. You can DM us and we'll go through all our thoughts and feelings with those on those books. So you know what we're covering next. You know what we've covered so far. And we'll see you next time we get into the sexiest book of all time, Pestilence. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the name. <laughs> like, right. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that is it from us tonight. We bid you adieu. Sorry, what was that tingling in my lady parts? Oh, it's just pestilence. <laughs> the best part is, it's like she cries out, like she screams his name, and you're like, pestilence? This is what we're screaming oh. out in the throes of passion? Like, <laughs> oh, it's not, again, not the writing, it's just the LOLs from us. <laughs> With that lovely thought, we leave Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.